a long time ago on a podcast far, far away. Today we begin our journey to Star Wars Episode 7, The Force Awakens. The journey will be long, but adventure, excitement, the Jedi craves not these things. This week we must somehow endure Episode 1, The Phantom Menace, without succumbing to the dark side of the Force. Along the way you'll get spoilers for the entire Star Wars saga, Clerks, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, Jurassic Park, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, Mad Max Fury Road, and the Full House character, Stephanie Tanner. We are on a seven-week journey to the seventh Star Wars film that lined up quite nicely. So much like we did when uh, we were all amped up to see Terminator Genesis, which didn't work out great in our yeah, favor. Yeah, that didn't pan out so great. <laughs> we wanted to revisit each Terminator film one by one and um, kind of process and dissect them. And we thought we would do the same thing uh, leading up to Episode 7, Road to the Force Awakens. Right. There's going to be seven weeks of this crap. Seven weeks of us sitting around <laughs> arguing about Star Wars movies. Get hyped. So the the way that we thought we'd go about it is, let's be honest, there's nothing that we could possibly say about any st- one Star Wars movie that hasn't been said, A dozen said times. better right. or more thoroughly than we're going to say it here. Um, and, you know, that's not really our bag on You Hate Movies. <laughs> All we do is sit around and, uh, and argue. In fact, I think one person <laughs> said it best if you read our... Uh, <laughs> Our little iTunes reviews, someone was complaining about the fact that we have rabbit trails that never resolve and they just go on and on about minutia that doesn't have anything to do with anything. That's kind of like our claim <laughs> to fame. Yeah. So Ironically, that's like, like our day-to-day conversations <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so with that in mind, we are going to do our best to assemble groups, a roundtable discussion every time made up of people from different walks of Star Wars life. So... I'm here, I'm Josh, I'm a Star Wars fan, not a Star Wars, uh, you know, like religious Star Wars fan. You're not a fanatic. I'm not a fanatic, but I I like Star Wars. Keep it abbreviated as fan. Fan, yeah, I'm a fan. I really appreciate it. Loved it since I was a kid. I love it like people love movies, you know? Tyler Hans is here. Hello. What what do you, what would you rank yourself as in the Star Wars (laughs) enthusiasm? A casual... A spectator. No, you're you're you enjoy Star Wars. Movies. I enjoy Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. I I didn't grow up watching it. I I saw it when I was a kid, and then I saw it again much later in life. Okay. And then you enjoyed it both times. <laughs> I enjoyed <laughs> At it. At least some of them. I enjoyed it each time. I've always had respect for Star Wars, but it's never been part of my life. Okay. See. Oh, so already we got some dichotomy mm. here. Diversity. Good. Abby Porter is here. Hey. And Abby Porter being, uh, uh, who's youngest between you and, and Alex here? Alex. You're younger than Abby? Is? Really? May 3rd. May 3rd, 1990. 89. Ooh, oh. okay. So we have uh, Abby as a child of 89, born in 89. She saw her, her The Phantom Menace um, in theaters as a kid. I did. And uh, and that was her first Star Wars experience. Mm-hmm. So which was ninety nine. So she was ten years old. Ten years old. Wow. And I liked it. Okay. Is that right? Ninety nine. Can yes. we? Did we? <laughs> Let me check your did math. Did we confirm on that. <laughs> that date? 
Someone's going to get mad if, we were, if we're wrong on that. It's 99. Yeah, somewhere that people's heads are already exploded. And then I've already mentioned him. Alex Retman, who was on our uh, Watchmen episode, is back in the house, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. And Alex mm-hmm. has been uh, enthusiastic about returning to the show. Isn't yeah. that right? Straight up I'm a big fan. <laughs> I'm a You Hate Movies fan. And every day I hear you guys talking about it. I want in on it. And so here we are. And one of the big reasons we wanted... Uh, Alex Rutman here tonight is because he also saw Phantom Menace in theaters as a kid. Is presumably a nine or ten yeah, year old, nine. nine years old. This is I'm I'm not uh, when when I come to Star Wars, I don't have an option about being a fan. It shaped my early childhood development. Oh mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it's the only movie that I have ever pre-purchased a ticket for, The Phantom Menace. Wow, that yeah. and The Phantom Menace of all of them. <laughs> yeah, so he's gonna have yeah. some great insights. Con- for us considering these, these, the new trilogy, we watched episode one tonight. Yeah. When I said that Star Wars wasn't a part of my life, I'm thinking of the original trilogy, episodes four through six. Yeah. Those are something that I saw when I was a kid and I've really came back to. But I remember being hyped about the new Star Wars coming out when I was in junior high in '99. And so. And you I, confirmed I, that date for us? <laughs> yeah, I confirmed okay. it. IMDb. <laughs> Has confirmed that. Thank you. Uh, I remember being in junior high in 99 and being, being pretty excited about the Star Wars movies coming out. And so those those films were far more familiar to me than the originals. Yeah, well, because you were alive when they came out. Right. Yeah. Um, I remember uh, Darth Maul's face on the side of Pepsi cans everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was a collector. It's a face. It's definitely a face. It is a face. <laughs> it's... <laughs> we have a first timer on the show tonight. We have Vanessa Ooh. Porter. And Vanessa, <laughs> when did you see Phantom Menace? Do you remember? Surely not just tonight. When it came out. Okay. That's my one and only Star Wars viewing. You've never seen another Star Wars movie? No. And okay. how many times have you seen The Phantom Menace? Twice? <laughs> yes. <Okay. laughs> it's so a good place to start. Once honestly. when it came out and then once just now? Mm-hmm. Oh, great. Start with one. And then uh, the other half to the hole here is Patrick Porter. Yep. And what's your, tell us about your Star Wars place in the world. Uh, I'm a fan. I was, uh, I watched the originals as a kid. Mainly Return of the Jedi a lot. And I liked them a lot. So, we have people from all over the map, you know. All over the map. All over the map. And I just thought... That would be funny because we don't have anyone to represent the fanatics <laughs> in the group. We do have some fans who are really enthusiastic, mm-hmm. some less so, and then some who, you know, uh, people are already mad right now at Abby and Redmond for just being kids going to see <laughs> Phantom Menace and that you haven't said anything bad about it yet. But there'll be plenty of time for that. Yeah. So the other th- the other problem with doing the whole Star Wars road to Star Wars thing is that it's so predictable. We're obviously going to sit through these prequels and we're going to have lots of bad things to say and then we'll sit through the original trilogy and we'll have lots of good things to say give or take on both of those leading up to episode 7. So I just want to frame everything that we're thinking of or not maybe not everything. Best we can, let's try to redirect things just like we did with Terminator back to this idea of the fact that there's going to be a new Star Wars movie and whether or not this new Star Wars movie is going to be able to avoid some of the, you know, psychosis that happens and mind it. Cause this is the thing that I was thinking about here. This is our entry point. When this movie came out in 1999, Tyler is already talking about this. The world's hyped up, right? People are camping out outside. If, 
if you remember like uh yeah that was huge. it was it was one of those things that even if you know in a in a pre uh thoroughly internet culture the internet's obviously around in 99 but nowhere to near uh, the degree no no nowhere near the right netscape was still a thing in 99. exactly so wow even then it was just like the i remember when they the first trailer came out so you can't just youtube it it like ran before some movie and that movie made a crap ton of money because people were buying tickets just to go watch the trailer for phantom menace right they were yeah. so amped i remember going into the theater and seeing that first poster of like little Anakin with the Darth Vader shadow yeah, yeah. looming behind so it, good. and everyone was like gathering around it and bringing disposable cameras to take pictures of it. It was a cool poster. Yeah, and I, and even <laughs> then, <laughs> disposable like disposable cameras. You know, I was in high school. I d- wasn't a Star Wars fanatic. I grew up watching the movies, and I was interested because I liked right. Star Wars movies as a kid. But I remember thinking, like, this is so weird. Like, there's going to be another one of those yeah. movies. Um, and then uh, to the point where I it became so saturated that you know, as a angsty teenager in high school i was like man i'm not even gonna watch that movie everyone's too into it so i can't be into <laughs> it so i boycotted it when punk it came out. yeah i was too punk for episode one i remember eating like a bag of lays potato chips with jar jar's face looking back out at me and not even knowing what he was or <laughs> <laughs> what was going on so we're bigger fans than you yeah i didn't see that one in the theater either i saw it on vhs wow. sutton theaters wow interesting so then what's that experience? Because here's the thing. Everyone obviously hates Phantom Menace now with one or two bizarre exceptions, one of which we're going to mention in a little bit that was bothering us on Twitter. But at the time, it's not like it jumps right off the screen. I'm sure someone will disagree with this as you as like, God, this is just such a horrible piece of crap because it couldn't. There was so much hype. Mm. If you're like, you know, a fanatic and you go to see this movie your endorphins are like through the roof. You're so amped up and you're wanting to like everything you see. So you must be like terribly pulled in multiple directions where you're thinking, I don't know, like maybe it's okay. And that part was kind of good. And, <laughs> and then you just leave the theater well, confused. It's, yeah. it's kind of, it's kind of confusing because the original was made in 77. No, the internet's going to be. Mad at us if we don't get that right either. When did the when did uh, New Hope come out? Seventy seven. Okay, great. So episodes episode four came out in seventy seven, and then the next few years after that it was seventy seven, and then um, finally Return of the Jedi was eighty three. Yeah. So it'd been a long time since the originals had had finally been released, and the people that saw them when they were released, the fanatics of Star Wars were all older. There was an older generation. Kids weren't super familiar. I mean, maybe it was the parents making kids watch it. I don't know, introducing them. It kind of continued as a cultural phenomenon for a while, but it was definitely an older generation that was the original fans of Star Wars. So when they went into the theaters to see this new one and they got a kid's movie, they must have been conflicted. Because look, looking at it now, watching it now, it's... This is definitely a kids movie. Well, see, yeah. then that that's the weird thing about the there's obviously something kiddy in every 
Star Wars movie. Right. But they don't have that thread of comedic relief. Yeah, exactly. And bumbling behavior. Because some people try to argue like, oh, well, you get that same kind of thing in the C-3PO and R2 dynamic and the other, but nowhere near to the no. degree that this not cartoon... <laughs> no, not fart jokes and stuff. Yeah. Throughout they, the movies. they just threw in a fart joke. <laughs> they're getting ready for that pod race and they're having some animal fart non-charger beings. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing, George Lucas? <laughs> this didn't... This didn't need a fart right now. <laughs> Why not? He's just, oh, I mean, not? He's just looking at the scenes. And you know what this needs. It needs a fart. Oh, wow. <laughs> so got that was, was that in the script or did they start messing around afterward and being like, what if like, while, I don't know, while everyone's getting ready, an animal just farts? <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're looking at it in the in the cutting room, the thing it's missing a little something. You know what we haven't done yet in these movies is just a great big. What if that sound wasn't there and they added? And they're like, George is gonna love this, and George is like, oh, it's perfect. <laughs> 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 My vision is so perfectly realized now with this fart in there. Don't you think that the um, it's kind of boring for a kid? Kid? Oh, it's so freaking boring. There's so much like yeah. that's the thing that I don't understand like for all of its kiddiness. It's like. Jar Jar is just flipping around and swinging from chandeliers <laughs> and falling on everything and saying stuff like "How rude!" Like, right. <laughs> it's the stupidest thing ever. The yeah, how rude he's being, Stephanie Tanner yeah, from Full yeah, House. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Jar Jar is on Full House, but then at the same time, we've got to spend what feels like an eternity in that stupid Galactic Senate yeah, with that, them flying around speaking another language. That was the weird imbalance of it. It was it was like this this bizarre comedy for kids and then they threw in the politics of star wars which is which is uh it makes sense considering the original movies and that's what the generation the older generations are used to coming into a star wars movie but it's like the way that they exist with one another is so bizarre Charlie, yeah but we're not uh, used to something that deep there were I so know, many like the, dialogues you're like what are they even talking about all anymore? the political stuff in the original trilogy is mostly and an off-screen thing that's just referenced so that you understand where they're at in the 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 freaking rebel versus the empire right stuff you don't actually get scenes of the galactic senate making and st- when that's when the crawl starts at the beginning of the phantom menace you're just already like oh god i'm bored this is like <laughs> yeah it's all taxation <laughs> the, <laughs> yeah. the taxation of trade routes trade federation <laughs> yeah like, oh my god what the heck does this have to do I, I think that if you ask the average person who watched the movie and enjoyed it or just watched the movie and paid attention and said, who's the Phantom Menace? What was the point? What were they doing? I don't Phantom think they Man- could... Darth Maul. No idea. Darth Maul's the Phantom I know, Menace. I don't think no, they could answer I, those questions. They Darth Maul's not the Phantom Menace. Well, I know, but is. anybody that's not paying attention to the political stuff is just going to assume, oh, the, the Phantom Menace must right. be Right, and if they Maul. are paying attention, I don't know if they get it all out of it. That's it's hard the, to follow. So those are the big three problems, and this has been pointed out a million times in other places, but the three big problems in the movie is that there's no protagonist... Hmm. Like what who's the main character of this movie? <laughs> Qui Gon. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, we're introduced. Qui Gon's the closest uh, thing to it, but Qui Gon has no character arc. Qui Gon's not a. Anakin. We're introduced to Liam Neeson and and Hugh McGregor from the very beginning. I know Hugh McGregor spends most of the movie sitting around doing nothing. He gets one yeah. fight at the end. He Anakin stay on the doesn't ship show the up time. until an hour into the movie. Yeah, and he's mostly a plot device. I feel yeah. like the the at best the protagonist. That that belongs to the two Jedi Knights, Anakin and Natalie Portman. That just seems Queen like such a dollar. stretch because n- none of them actually get what we would think of as 
right. protagonist role. Because even, you know, obviously you compare everything to the original trilogy, but Luke is the clear protagonist in right. New Hope. Yeah. And then he's sharing uh, some main character development with, you know, Han Solo and mm-hmm. with Obi-Wan and even to a lesser extent with like C-3PO and R2. Uh, but if they all have these distinct personalities and these distinct journeys that are bringing them together in this unique yeah. way. It's like Obi-Wan is just being trained and he sits around on a ship. Mm-hmm. It, I think that that's just the the difficulty with these prequels. You you do a prequel for anything and you're kind of, you're, you're forced to make the story end somewhere that it will be coherent with the previous films. And so if, if anybody is the main character of this film, it's still Luke Skywalker. Because everything that's happening has to lead up to him becoming the protagonist. So they're just doing whatever they can to explain it. They always talk about, well, George Lucas is going on about how Anakin, this is Anakin's story, and Anakin blah, blah, blah. But Anakin's this crappy little kid from Jingle All the Way, and he's just (laughs) so miserable to watch, and he doesn't really serve any real purpose. Mm. He doesn't. I I wonder if the protagonist is supposed to be Qui-Gon. He gets the surprise death scene. Yeah, and, but, and then who cares? Qui-Gon is so emotionless in this movie. No, no, Yoda tells us that he is rebellious. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, thanks, Yoda. <laughs> Until then, I didn't feel like I knew Qui-Gon at all. <laughs> that's that's how a lot of the emotions work in the, these, in this. That's how a lot of the emotions work in this, this set of prequels. They just state them to the camera. Yeah. I'm so angry. How did this is intense. <laughs> How did Liam Liam? <laughs> how did he get such a robotic performance out of Liam? Ne- Liam Neeson's like a terrific actor. Yeah, Jedi is supposed to be emotionless. I didn't feel like I connected with him at all. And understand he wasn't him. supposed to have fear. There's no antagonist in the movie either. You know, like obviously the Phantom Menace is supposed to be Darth Sidious, who is Palpatine, and we, if we've seen the original trilogy, we know that, and they they're not being terribly subtle about it by the end of the movie where they're like, where's the other Sith? And then the camera moves over to Palpatine's face and just lingers on him for a second. <laughs> right. But, uh, but he's barely in the movie and we only see the hologram of Darth Sidious and then the nice pleasant version of Palpatine. He doesn't really in, involved in anything yeah. tremendously to the point where you could lift him right out of the movie. He's not the antagonist. Darth Maul is the only thing that's kind of cool in the whole movie and mm. he's in two scenes and the first scene where he fights uh Qui-Gon out in Tatooine in front of the ship is just like yeah <laughs> almost like they were shooting and going like what happens there <laughs> I don't know they fight <laughs> he jumps yeah, away Go. It was, it's so bizarre because they they have a shot of uh Qui-Gon Jinn and Anakin just walking through the desert and then cut away right back to them it was so bizarre where they they cut from one scene of them walking and then they cut to the very next scene of them running inexplicably. There's no explanation. Yeah. And then all of a sudden <laughs> drops out of the sky <laughs> as, yeah, as uh, Liam Neeson turns around and he's like, Oh crap, what's going on? And then they just start fighting. Yeah. That's just, it's so abrupt. I feel like the whole movie is filled with crap like that. There's this, you know, at the very beginning when you're first getting bored and they're on Nebu and they're talking about stuff that you don't understand already. And uh, they're like, oh, the, the signal's being jammed. 
it can only mean one thing, invasion. Yeah. And you're like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> How does that mean invasion? Someone explain to me what's happening. In this Dude, you do thing. not mess with a planet's communications. <laughs> Couldn't it just mean that like a tower's down or they? I get bad signal in this room. Or <laughs> not, invasion. Being invaded. I'm going to start doing that if the <laughs> cell phone cuts out. <laughs> oh, crap. <laughs> it's an invasion. You're being invaded. <laughs> so then the, like, back to you're, you're going to see this movie in 1999, let's say, as a fanatic. And you're used to the way that Star Wars movies start based on the three that you've seen. And Star Wars, like the original trilogy, they have fantastic openings, especially A New Hope opens with like in the middle of this, you're dropped into the middle of this giant skirmish and Darth Vader's getting on the ship and he's uh, people are already dying and they're going to get Leia. Uh, this movie opens up with them. It couldn't be more dull. It's Just like they're walking around <laughs> on the ship guys, talking. <laughs> two guys sitting in a conference room. <laughs> yeah, they're drinking, they're drinking tea. They're just, <laughs> <laughs> they're just sitting in a conference room wondering, should we be waiting this long? <laughs> <laughs> and that's... that's <laughs> those are our heroes. <laughs> yeah, by the time they take out the lightsabers, you're like, I already kind of don't care. <laughs> <laughs> what's what's kind of silly is that you can always point to moments like this in, in most films, but this movie would have easily ended it had, had they just not opened the doors so quickly. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're standing in a room filling with poison gas, and then they go in and say, hey, let's open the doors. <laughs> no. Well, let's see that, that. Again, this makes no sense. So then the Viceroy, or the you know, the one of the... One of many extremely racist characters in the movie. Oh, so bad. He pops up in a hologram and he's like, they're probably dead by now. Go in do and the finish voice. them. Yeah. Do, do the racist they voice. They are probably dead by now. <laughs> Go in and finish off of them. <laughs> and then, wait, so I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. They're probably dead. Go finish them. What? What do you it mean? No you just said that they were I dead. I thought they did like some kind of trick where they like held their breath or something. Yeah, you, you can see Liam Neeson. It's not a trick. It's not a trick. That's exactly <laughs> what they did. They <laughs> <go>. Standard. <laughs> you can see uh, take a deep it's breath. It's a trick because yeah. it's, you know, Jedi stamina. Yeah, they're you Jedi. Might, you might be surprised to discover you can do the same <laughs> thing. <laughs> you might be a Jedi. You can hold your breath. Uh, they held it for yeah. long. It was implied. So then, and then, okay, then this introduces one of the other problems, major problems with the movie is that the droids are the most worthless yeah like uh you know what uh, i don't even want to call him a bad guy as a, as a foil the little rounder rounder the little robot yeah it's kind of like a prehistoric cologne you Wish know they're like they got to work up to something and they're so they're going hey you know we had ancient technology back then and so you're going to see how good our technology gets when we get these clones that's definitely what they were trying you to know. do they got to show you how how bad where they but started where did, what what was that bizarre design they ended on with the long faces and the skinny necks and even they became, they were so goofy, like, Roger, Roger, does not compute. Dude. It was that is the kind of stuff that I loved when I was nine. <laughs> I'm serious. You go, because you got to think about this movie. So you have parents who have already seen the originals. They're stoked on the originals. They're trying to hand down a legacy to their children. And. George Lucas wants to capitalize on that, right? <laughs> so he thinks, I'm, the problem with the movie is that it's not one or the other. It's not kids' movie, and it's not a fully adult movie, right? They didn't have the right like action scenes and like all the kid crap taken out of it to make it an adult movie alongside all the political stuff. So the po- political stuff just falls flat, right? right. Then it's not, a kids, it, it, it's not fully a kids' movie because you have all this political crap, but then you have all this weird fart kid jokes. stuff. Yeah, j- fart jokes going on. 
Jar Jar Binks stuff yeah. and because they're trying to appeal to the kids. So it's like if you just picked like, is this going to be a kid's movie or not? I think people would still be mad if they just made it fully a kid's movie, which it's really close to, uh, you know, pick something. It probably would have been better than That's just trying saying. to I toe mean, the line. I mean, I know that this is the most obvious critique one could possibly make, but I feel like the the original trilogy achieves that balance quite nicely yeah. in the tradition yeah, of like so. Steven Spielberg esque adventure movies right. of uh, yesteryear, where there's like a family friendly thread to it, but there's also something that's very sophisticated about the storytelling and even about like the, the edginess to it. Because a lot of these people, you know, like there's this. I think terribly frustrating video that went around when the Force Awakens was in pre production where people were like, everyone was trying to tell J.J. Abrams how to do it. And uh, some some folks from Portland, I believe, made this video where they were writing this letter oh, to J.J. Abrams. Oh, the animated yeah, yeah. short and video. They're, so they're trying to tell him, you know, about how he should make his movie. That Star Wars is a Western. Yeah. And so they had all these rules about, you know, and I'm their fans, blah, blah, blah. But some of the stuff is like, oh, they're like, Star Wars isn't cute. It isn't funny. It isn't kitty. It's supposed to be all gritty. And I was like, well, not really. Have they seen Yoda? Yeah, what the heck? Don't You don't remember That's Ewoks? <laughs> yeah, those little fuzzy bears. <laughs> fuzzy yeah. bears. But even, even like, you know, there's a, there's a drastic difference between Jar Jar and like, C-3PO and R2 but C-3PO and R2 were a very kid friendly yeah and comedic relief is a part of all the original trilogy even the dynamic between Chewie and uh, Han Solo and the fact that like how does he understand this guy yeah I used to love that that was cool yeah, but I, other movies I guess what I what I'm getting at when I say you know you gotta be thinking about what a nine year old is thinking I like I had just heard of Star Wars maybe like a year before it came out and my buddy's trying to describe to me he's like dude there's this movie where like there's this guy in all black he walks onto the spaceship everybody's shooting lasers at you know his dudes it's insane my mind like couldn't comprehend it at the time so when I first saw it it was just all all I saw were just lasers like there are lasers and there are men in white and there's this one guy in black it the the movie was so like groundbreaking for my I'd never seen anything like it. So all I care about I don't care about the storyline, I don't care about the plot. I want to see lightsabers. Yeah. And you get lightsabers in that movie. You, you get this pod racing thing, there's a video game to go along with it. I am like pod drinking racing. the Kool-Aid of American marketing <laughs> as a 9-year-old and it's yeah. freaking awesome. And all the little kid talk like Oh, I loved it. Jar Jar Binks formed a language that my friends and I used for years <laughs> to come. <laughs> yeah, you think I... Me so sorry. <laughs> yeah. It, moms moms around America are like, talk normal, you know? <laughs> to, Abby, Abby leaned over to me at one point during the movie and she said that she was having like these flashbacks of <gasps> how after they, her and her friends saw this movie as kids, they went around talking like Jar Jar. Oh, like... There was no other words we used. <laughs> Just like Jar. We used to j- oh, always say like great. Misa Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we all claim to be him. <laughs> kids kids loved Jar Jar Binks, but Dude, he is he's just he ruins a film. You can't take it serious anymore. Not not even just is he just bumbling around uh, a uh, battlefield, but he's also uh, just another terrible stereotype. It's his whole race the the Gungans. <laughs> yeah. It just it is unfortunate. No, it's so just an unintelligent yeah. Jamaican culture. 
Tyler Not says. that Jamaican culture is unintelligent, but the way they portray <laughs> them is just, what in the world are they doing? The, the celebration at the end, Tyler's like, I'm surprised they didn't just ride this all the way out and give them all steel drums. <laughs> they got close. <laughs> <laughs> they got close. <laughs> you know, Alex, it's interesting what you're saying, like when you're nine years old and you went and saw this, you just wanted to see lightsabers. Mm-hmm. That's the same thing we were thinking when I was nine years old and watching the originals. Like, I just want to see Luke and Darth Vader fight. You'd fast forward. Yeah, I mean, like, that's that's what I that's why we liked understand. Jedi most yeah. when we were kids because Jedi. There's this great line in the the first Kevin Smith movie Clerks where they're arguing about which Star Wars movie is the best, and uh, one of the main characters is like saying he didn't care about Return of the Jedi. He's like, all Jedi had was a bunch of Muppets, and uh, that's why I liked Return of the Jedi because it's like overflowing <laughs> with puppets and like creatures. Yeah, and, I did. Um, the great uh, battle in Jabba's palace with the Rancor and the Sarlacc pit and Boba Fett and all that so stuff. So good. Uh, the other ones, uh, the the original two kind of would blend back and forth together. I'd be like, which one has Yoda and which one is the one that has the ice planet? But uh, Jedi always stood out to me. And, and it had Ewoks, so it was like the most kid-friendly in my it's mind. The bomb. Ewoks. Those but you watch racers. Jedi now and it's still a great movie. And that's why I think the problem is not Jar Jar would obviously be a huge problem anyway, and people complain about the Ewoks even now. Yeah. Uh, but the problem with the movie is that the movie sucks. There's no, st- <laughs> <laughs> there's no, there's no story. Uh, there's no trackable story. There's no character developed. There's no conflict or rising tension. It's, there's think, no tension anywhere. I think it's because it's all weighted on the original trilogy. They just they're just showing you how Are they we just got there. Setting up like oh a yeah, bunch of pre. They're that's setting up Anakin's turn. Like that's the whole thing, right? But it's you can't all right. there. you can't waste our time with an entire movie. You obviously it's all just, know this, but yeah. background. It's I mean, all just did. background story. It plays like fan fiction from the internet of someone trying to write a prequel story to Star yeah. Wars because you're like in a uh, you know 40 minutes into the movie they've already at this point had the big battle on the ship that was pointless then they go down to Naboo then there's the whole thing with Jar Jar Binks pointless they go down underwater pointless then they're riding in this boat using a deep doo doo the fish kept getting bigger and bigger they're being chased by all these underwater monsters and there's always they keep cutting to the shot of like Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan driving the ship and they're just looking forward with the most stoic straight face like they couldn't care less that this giant monster (laughs) is about to eat them and I was like that's how that's how the audience feels like they're not in any real danger (laughs) neither are we and even if they were who who are they and yeah, where? Right. What are we doing? Like what? Yeah. Okay. Well, we we at least know who Obi Wan is. Yeah, but <laughs> this young version of Obi Wan, he he gets the short end of the stick in this movie, other than having a raw behind haircut. Yeah. <laughs> you know these yeah. things. <laughs> he had the braid and the tiny ponytail. <laughs> <And they did laughs> look so good. Whenever they do something like this, people get mad. It's like, oh, it ruins all the movies I love. And usually, I would say, no, you still have the ones you love. This is just an extra one, but. This one really tried to do that. It was like, here's all the rules you like about those. Yeah. We're going to mess them up and make them lame. Yeah, obviously the midichlorians. The midichlorians that's that's yeah. why it's so frustrating. To me, it's like Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Well, that's obviously a great deal, like the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Because but, ki- but Kingdom's not a prequel. It doesn't really mess up. I know, but three. now it's in the canon. Well, yeah, we're embarrassed to acknowledge it now. We're upset that it exists. Yeah. But what these do to Star Wars is it kind of negates everything that the original yeah, created. Yeah, retcons all the good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, we should talk about the midichlorian... Midi-chlorians is the stupidest uh, thing. I, I feel like if there was anything that the world hated, 
next to Jar Jar Binks, it's the Midichlorians. Yeah, that's that's the yeah, one they should hate the, the most. Force. Yeah. yeah, the Force is lame now because the, everyone's favorite, everyone who likes Star Wars, favorite is usually Empire, and the whole linchpin of Empire is like you know the the hero's journey, the the meta myth, uh, mm-hmm. you know where he's. He's just this guy who came from nothing, and now he's going to go out here with this Jedi Master and train, and he's going to learn. Skywalker in the swamp. Yeah, to lift his X-wing out of the swamp and yeah. everything. But like, oh, never mind. It's just because he had this thing in his blood. Yeah, you could never do that. You know, you as the audience, you're like, man, that could be me. I could be the, <laughs> the unless nobody. you're too old. Unless you're, yeah, apparently the you can't train an eight-year-old right. or whatever. <laughs> but they trained Luke. Yeah. Well, and if true. it's in you already, then what is the training even for? It's more like an unearthing, right? You, you look at Luke Skywalker, he's tapping into something that's other, right? But the midi-chlorians thing is it's, it's actually already in you. you got a certain amount of level of it, and there's really no mystery to this at all. Yeah, like in the original trilogy, the kind of rhetoric around like, oh, the Force is strong with this one, I always took to me, and it's just like, you know, there's a, there's a natural ability there that not, isn't necessarily an actual cell count. Right. in their blood it could be developed by a different person or maybe not you know like maybe a lot the force is strong with lots of people so at best it just means that midichlorians lay some sort of foundation they give certain people an edge to uh like connect to like the force that. there's little but bugs that talk to you <laughs> <laughs> that symbiotic relationship yeah, with the midichlorians and then the midichlorians so got anakin's mom pregnant well how did that happen the immaculate conception you don't want to know <laughs> that was so <laughs> unnecessary <laughs> like so weird. what the prophecy is fulfilled that lucas likes to weave in all these different like world religions into his mythology but that one seemed yeah. particularly strange God, out of left field so so either you have all these midichlorians but at best the the, the force can be learned to some degrees do you think it's like that a someone honing, like you got raw potential but you just haven't like you know shaped that well, what if that everyone program? has metachlorians or whatever they're called <laughs> or, yeah. no that's fine and might it's well a made-up word. Yeah, so might as well matter. be called that. Yeah. So what if everyone has that, and some people just have more, but you can get more as you, like, practice? You this know? sounds just so stupid. So do you think that there's a way to extract them from your blood? Can, like to think can so. a midichlorian be you can hijacked. juice up and get extra ones or yeah. something. Yeah. Yeah. Or something. Mm-hmm. And spoiler alert, we're, you know, we'll say this several times. We're trying to stay as pure as we can and not uh, know anything about Episode 7. But I did see... A uh, little short blast of J.J. Abrams on some red carpet somewhere and a guy like trying to get him to answer questions about episode seven. And he's, you know, giving him a hard time because he's famously secretive about his stuff. And they ask him, is there any mention of midichlorians <laughs> in episode seven? Yeah. And he very quickly was like, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> did did he answer anything about Jar Jar? <laughs> <laughs> no. I would love it if, you know, it really wouldn't surprise me if they do something where like, you know, I don't know, Jar Jar's tombstone is somewhere in the Man, background that'd be or awesome. something like that just yeah. for the fans to. I'm uh, I'm actually pretty excited about uh, episode seven. When they released that very first teaser, however long ago that was, when was that? A year ago? It hasn't been yeah, that it was long. Just earlier this year. Yeah, yeah earlier this Back year. In the summer. When they released that first teaser, it showed some landscapes, some characters, quick shots of you know chase scenes, and like that was enough for me. Ever since that very first teaser was released, none of us have watched it. We've gone Star Wars pure. I have. Um, watch more. Abby, Abby watched the trailer. Abby's, Abby's a thing. casual movie goer, so she doesn't yeah. care. It's really good. 
But I'm excited going into episode seven, not having any of these things revealed. And I appreciate that teaser so much. That's how you do a teaser. It's like, yeah, mm-hmm. there's barely anything to see. It's there's just no, enough to be like, oh, that's going to look, that's going to be cool. Right. It's the taste of the new elements or whatever. Right. But not too much. We have a we we have a friend who who thinks that not watching all the trailers and not uh, and not learning as much as you can by reading every article released by every producer or jj abrams is is cheating yourself going into the theater it's like showing up for your wedding day and not even knowing who your your fiance is yeah and our pushback to that is that like he's just like sleeping around like crazy before his wedding night he's just hooking up he's just (laughs) he's taking those test drives he's he's not saving himself for his watching day (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's dumb so I just I the the thing about episode seven and we won't uh, harp on episode one much longer. But the thing about this new movie is that the hype is back. It's hard to measure if it's like more or less than it was in 1999, but it's certainly comparable. It's certain certainly the same type of thing. Yeah, I think in '99 the hype was pretty pretty intense because people didn't expect more Star Wars stories. They thought they had the original trilogy. And that would be that. But when they decided that, hey, we're going to make three prequels, it's like there's no really precedent for that. And so people were pr- pretty excited. But now we know, oh, well, it's been done. It's it's another decade and a half later. Yeah, but it was all these weird steps. Like we heard Disney bought it. We're like, oh, crap, that's right. weird. Like what's gonna and then all of a sudden then? they started on putting together the ensemble of the original cast and stuff. And yeah, because the way things work now with Hollywood and even with big studios and even with George Lucas owning everything, he and he would famously say, no more Star Wars stories, that's it, that's it. We told the story we wanted to tell. Um, part of you's going, eh, it wouldn't surprise me if they, <laughs> they did another they one. churn out some more at but, some point. But uh, what Disney l- really seems to take advantage of a lot, um, even with Toy Story, how when Toy Story came out, we were kids, and now they're releasing it for the next generation of kids. Uh, it seems like they're trying to do the same thing with Star Wars. Star Wars has has crossed that generational gap. There's two audiences now: the original audience from '77, and now this new audience from '99. So they've got a whole mess of people. Heaps of people are going to be piling into theater. Yeah, Star Wars going. fans are freaking nuts. So they not only that, nuts. but if you think about it, the uh, We've also crossed generational lines technologically. So the gap between um, the original trilogy and the new trilogy uh, was this weird thing where in 90, you know, in the early 90s, we had a a surgence in uh, the use of CG, in particular with Jurassic Park was the the game changer in terms of CG. Mm -hmm. But... Jurassic Park is a super subtle use of CG. For at the time, it was like, oh, well, holy crap! There's like a real dinosaur with harsh lighting on and everything. But even that, it makes up for a tiny little bit of the movie's runtime. And ILM, who did the uh, CG for Jurassic Park, also does the CG for the Star Wars films. And it seems to me like they're thinking, yeah, we've we figured out a ton in those years. Let's put every <laughs> CG thing we could yeah. ever imagine <laughs> on the screen and a hundred of them in every shot. And it just so looks like bad. it looks like they were all like amped up in their offices, going like <laughs> bleh, 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 <laughs> on their computer screen. Oh, you want to you want a shot in a swamp? Yeah, we'll, we'll generate that water. Oh, you want some grass? Don't yeah, we'll make e. that dirt. ETs in the background. The Senate e. is just so. But every every shot on Coruscant on the city planet is yeah. just hideous. Horrible so fake. That. There's like 
Oh my god, it just boggles the But mind. there was long extended shots of all of those landscapes and it's almost like they're they're leaning back in their chairs saying, Yeah. Do you see what yeah. we did? Yeah, yeah, it's just like it makes me think of Doctor Ian Malcolm said, Your your scientists <laughs> were so preoccupied with whether or not they could they didn't stop to think if they <laughs> should. should they? <laughs> so Yeah, but the Blu ray release does not do that CG any favors. Oh, it's I'm, so bad. I imagine yeah, do you that think anyone the standard, complained back then? No. It was yeah. amazing back Come then. On. But the, the the thing is, I think I got to imagine that part of it is jarring, though, because the human mind processes CG differently than we do practical effects. So it's like, you know, everyone's going on oh, practical effects are so much better. Not necessarily. Sometimes CG looks like, I mean, like watch Donna, the Planet of the Apes. It's freaking incredible. Right. That would looks way better than a monkey suit <laughs> would have looked. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, uh, part when your mind, when you see something that's really on screen, your mind processes it differently than something that your mind instantly tells you that's not yeah. actually mm. real. And I don't think an audience, even in 1999, would for a second thought anything other than this looks like a PlayStation game. That's exactly of how amazing yeah, it is. That's exactly how it looked. There was a a scene with um, Guado, right? Guado. Watto? Watto. Watto. Yeah. Watto. Another uh, <laughs> stereotype. Very, very Jewish. Too bad. Um, there was a scene where he was having a conversation before the pod race with um, Liam Neeson. And if you look closely at uh, Watto as he's floating there, you can see this, his skin like competing with the the graphics for his <laughs> like underwear whatever that piece of cloth is his wrapped, wrapped around his his uh waist yeah you can see like in a video game there's a glitch there where his skin is showing through for a second and thinking yeah this is this is the best way to describe it it looks like a freaking it's playstation a, it's a, just yeah, checking out Waddle's booty so that the, well that you were the one that brought up his his <laughs> underwear <laughs> Oops. <laughs> yeah, you, had, you had your eyes on it. It's okay. I'm just thinking now, though. So, J.J. Abrams has all this lip service to pay Star Wars fans. When the first videos were coming out, he was purposefully showing us, like, an actual Millennium Falcon that was built. He was showing us, like, Practical real, effects, real yeah. puppets walking around the set. And we're all going, yeah, yeah, get back to the basics. But in reality, we all know it's going to be absolutely overflowing right. with CG. And yeah. it's probably going to look great because CG yeah. looks good now. Yeah, yeah, it's really good now. And usually w- you marry the two things and you pull off something fantastic. Yeah. Uh, you know, something like Mad Max is a perfect example of we all went on about Intense like it's amazing how, how real the practical effects are. But every one of those shots is, is also filled up with yeah. <laughs> CG. To well, there is, I remember sitting in Mad Max thinking, what is real and what is exactly fake. then that's what you that's, that's when it's done right i i assumed that that guitar breathing fire had to have been fake <laughs> little did you little did i know that they really got a guitar to breathe fire <laughs> so i i imagine that it, they they must be using com- computer effects for a lot of the work in these new star wars movies they i think they to. would be foolish not to i know because yeah. now it looks good. Yeah. They're gonna they're gonna end up doing. But, yeah, but it, do you think that, do you think someday you guys are gonna sit around and even talking about these old movies and be like, man, they thought maybe, they were doing yeah. something awesome. Probably. I totally say that, sucked. but I mean, like you said, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. I don't know how that can get more realistic. <laughs> it probably can. But see, think about that. That's the thing. And I know I'm the resident Jurassic Park enthusiast, but think about. Jurassic Park 93 so many years before mm-hmm. and you watch it now and yeah there's parts of it that are dated but there's a marriage really of, good. of animatronic dinosaurs and CG yeah. dinosaurs and when you watch it now yeah. you're not thinking god that looks so fake the way you are when you watch Jar Jar Binks right I think the issue with this one is that 
you can you can tell the difference between human and green screen like you can see the edges of the screen and you're you're <laughs> just like oh it's, how so, did bad. They oh, it's really so bad, bad. Yeah, yeah it's like did the I don't know if they are sitting back going, hey, look what we did. I think they're going, hey, we have to get this movie done because we need to make a bunch <laughs> I of I felt like dough. that for a couple of the scenes. Yeah. There's, a, there's this uh, in you know, some of the making of featurettes. There's this footage of Lucas in one of his like you know ballrooms that he calls his office. And he's got all these storyboards in front of him and uh, an ILM's meeting with him. And they're, they're just straight up saying, tell us what you want us to make. Like, mm. for example, in the storyboard. So he's got these highlighters. and He's just highlighting everything that he wants to be CG. This, 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 this. And you can clearly see ILM being like, oh, oh no. yeah, I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it was just a matter of like, we have to satisfy this overlord. Yeah. And that's the that's the conclu- <laughs> that's conclusion I want to posit to you guys and really make everyone listening to this episode furious uh, right now is that I think George Lucas is awesome. He's <laughs> he is so uh, uh, admirable in his you know stick-to-itiveness mm. for the so he made these movies right away the reaction to the Phantom Menace was mixed at best and then the more time people got the more they hated it right like it was reviewed really poorly fans didn't like it mm. he kept pursuing the the arc that he had set out to make with these and then he knows he's not you know he's not in a living in a cave he's part of the world he knows that the <laughs> every one of his fans hate the truth that it's a, like a living joke and he doesn't give a crap he's like nope i'm gonna i'll keep changing those <laughs> that's right i'm gonna keep working on it and then <laughs> all that the fans want in this whole world is for him to release uh the theatrical cuts of the original trilogy and he's like no i don't like them he in fact, I'm going to change them more. Yeah, he's like, I'll change them even more. And they're all lining up being like, we'll pay you. We'll pay you money for it. And he's like, nah, I'm going to put more <laughs> crappy CG in them. And then, uh, and then finally he's like, I guess I had my fun. I'll sell it for a go billion dollars. I think, man, that's awesome. I tell George Lucas, <laughs> and I want the theatrical cuts too. And I'm telling, like, don't give them to me, George. <laughs> you stay true. <laughs> you stay true. Hey, you see how long he's keep this up. So, <laughs> Uh, if, there's, if there's anything I really question about George Lucas is who let him write these romance scenes. Oh, they're so bad. Dude. They're so bad. Especially in this one when you have like a small child. It's a child. Yeah. Teenager. Teenager. yeah. Like, oh, yeah the cool. huge question is why wouldn't they just make Anakin a few years older? When he, his first exchange between him and Padme where he's like, are you an angel? I just threw my <laughs> head back. I was like, oh God, I forgot how stupid this is. It's so bad. And you know, you gotta think about how they're dating this. <laughs> He's like eight years old, nine. Yeah, something like that. She is seventeen. Mm-hmm. Hot. The, the, he like is a I said, talker, hey, like I said before, this movie was made for nine-year-olds. It's a nine-year-old boy movie. This could be—it's a fantasy. It's a, it's a nine-year-old boy's fantasy. Yeah, it is absolutely that. Driving a pod racer, getting the older girl. Yeah, you could be Darth Vader shooting with shooting <laughs> guns out of you your. You too can grow up to be Darth Vader. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was the tension that I that I felt as a nine year old. Like, crap, yeah, I don't want to be Darth Vader. I did, but you know this is. A <laughs> Get Yoda, into the fear. So Yoda won't won't let uh, Anakin be trained because of the fear that Vanessa just mentioned. Mm. He's like, oh, fear is the path to the dark side, and then at the very end of the movie, he's arguing with Obi Wan, and he's like great fear I have in training him. I'm like, what? Aren't <laughs> you supposed to be the guy? It's a certain type of fear about your mom. 
Yeah. <laughs> it is. That's what it's all about. He's like, hey, you're sad about leaving your mom. He's like, what does that have to do with anything? He's like, mm. with that fear, <laughs> without prior without knowledge feeling. of the original trilogy, they don't give us any information about who Yoda is. They just go right on talking about him as if we all already know. And so, if you were coming into this into this uh, series, uh, starting with Episode One, you would be like, who is this Yoda guy? If you had, He's if a no green not, guy. He's I just got that. some bizarre little monster <laughs> that seems to have he talks all the. Really weird. Why are you so racist, man? He's got to be a monster just because he don't look like you. This yeah. is a very. You diverse label him as green, first of all. <laughs> this is a very <laughs> diverse galaxy. So, can we all agree that there is? It's. It would be near impossible for this movie, this new movie, to be worse than or even equal to. It's Phantom impossible. Menace. It's. Uh, it is impossible. To be worse than to I think that than. if if we're considering the work that JJ has done because he has released you can go back and listen to our other episode where we talk about ET and Super Eight he has released films that are direct homage to the the movies that really faithfully it. and and they were they were quality films and so I think that if yeah Super Eight's better than ET that's the hype man don't get started. Retroactive. So we can see that he's capable of of taking a source material and making something really good. Right. Here's to hoping. (laughs) Here's to hoping. It's very very possible that it will eventually underwhelm. The question is, will all the hype like ride us on a train into like, man, it was great. And then you sit back and start thinking about it. I guess it was okay. Right. Yeah. Nah, it'll be good. I saw the trailer. (laughs) Oh, boy. Thanks for listening to You Hate Movies. This week, send us all your defenses of Jar Jar Binks by leaving a comment at youhatemovies.com or on social media, Twitter and Instagram at youhatemovies and facebook.com slash youhatemovies. Join us next week as we continue the road to episode seven with episode two, Attack of the Clones. <laughs>